This podcast is supported by Anchor FM. If you've ever thought about doing your own podcast, then check out Anchor FM. Anchor FM is a free podcast platform that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Or your tablet if you got one. I really can't recommend these guys enough. It was worth switching over from another platform. Once you set up your podcast, Anchor FM will automatically distribute it to all other platforms like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or such and such. It's very easy, very streamlined, and you can start making money immediately. Download the free Anchor app or log on to anchor.fm to get started. This is a Kitty Pod production. From Television City in Hollywood. Hey, man! Welcome to episode 101 of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, the most above average podcast ever to hit your ear holes. Quarantine or not. My name, of course, and as always, is Jason Bullitt. I'm the man the hour, the man with the power, too sweet to be sour. And the quarantine shutdown, or whatever you want to call it, rages on here in New York State. I'm recording this on Mother's Day, May 10th, 2020. I'm waiting for dinner right now. I know you shouldn't pot an empty stomach, but it is busy at the Olive Garden where we're getting takeout. My dad and his companion are here too. I know it's breaking some kind of lockdown, stay-at-home order, but you know what? I okayed it, and if one of them or both of them go because of coronavirus, that's on me. I'm willing to take the L. But anyway, it's been kind of weird not having any place to go. I mean, most of the places I want to go, are just shut down. This is like the last time I didn't have work, and that was, I have to go back to summer between high school and college. So you're probably wondering, how has one J. Michael Bullock been handling all this? It's been good for the most part. It's been unusual, though. Me being a sportsman, I, re- I really miss, hello, made me feel great, you know. Stay away from me, Earl Clark, six feet, no less. Anywho, it's Not having live sports on television has been pretty depressing, to be honest with you. So I've been going down YouTube wormholes of various statures. Also been listening. I just got a text from my companion. They're on their way home. Finally got their food. So I'll have to stop recording at some stage. Breaking news on the podcast here. Anyway, I've also been starting a new podcast, or I have started one. Maybe I shouldn't have potted an empty stomach. I should have just stopped recording right then and there. Anyway, I've since launched a side project called Crime. Capital C, capital R, small i, small m, small e. And note bien that the capital C and capital R stand for capital region. See what I did there? It is out every Thursday. So if you're stuck at home or you're headed off to your central job, you got some true crime to dig into. And New York's capital region, and even a bit further afield, is ripe with these stories. I've had six episodes in the book, and there's going to be a seventh by the time this episode drops. I'm currently doing the research on episode number eight, and it's a doozy. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to take a bit of a different tack here, because I'm a purveyor of small businesses and a frequent consumer and supporter and booster of such things. You are going to hear two of my friends from high school who are small business owners. One is a person whom I'm sure you've heard before, you've heard many times before, Frank Sicari. He's made so many appearances on this podcast, he's about to give Adam Parada a run for his money. 
you'll hear him and then Anne-Marie Guglielmo, who runs this bottle shop in Saratoga Springs called Buy the Bottle. She's been on this podcast before. But we're going to take a different tack than what motivated them to go into business, what their business is about, and how they're handling things during the pandemic and their plans for survival once the lockdown slash stay-at-home orders were lifted here in New York State, which by the looks of it, look to be this coming Friday as I record this. So you hear that. Also, as it's episode 101, let's just get right to it. A look back at the year 2001, the year yours truly, and the two people who are on this podcast graduated from high school. Ah, that brings back some high school memories, huh? Playing into this part of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, we're looking back at the year 2001 as it's episode 101. And the week this episode comes out, number five on the Billboard Hot 100 charts, Ride With Me, Nelly featuring Spud City. I remember that played in my high school prom, which as I record this was 19 years ago this weekend in 2001. What a year it was for yours truly and many of the guests who have appeared on this podcast as we all graduated high school that year, Saratoga Springs High School. 432 students all moved on to the real world, got on to college and other adventures. Not only was it an end, it was also a beginning. George W. Bush was inaugurated that year. But unfortunately, the big story, of course, was September 11th, 2001. Every episode I've recorded around the anniversary of 9-11, I've told you where I was. I had just started my college career at what was then Castleton State College and now Castleton University. I didn't hear about what happened until about 10.30, about the time the second tower of the World Trade Center went down. It was just like wild time. You think this pandemic was wild times to be in? I think 9-11 now comes second in my life. I've done a lot of living in 20 years, let me tell you. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing at that. This is rather serious. 3,000 died. Scores were injured. Just devastating. The worst attack on U.S. soil ever. And the worst attack ever. Sorry I butchered the words there. It was the wrong time to have a slip of the tongue. There were some other noteworthy events as well. Timothy McVeigh. You remember back in episode 95, 1995, when he blew up that federal building in Oklahoma City? Well, he got executed. So, uh, good riddance to him. Fans of true crime got to revel in the arrest of Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer, out in Washington State. Well, two months after 9-11, there was another airplane crash. An airplane did not crash into a building, thank goodness, but actually met a watery grave. American Airlines Flight 587 had taken off from John F. Kennedy Airport and was on its way to the Dominican Republic. All 260 on board were killed. Among the debuts in the year 2001, this little thing called Wikipedia. It's become a big thing now in terms of reference or just editing things and whatnot. Maybe you saw on a computer that either was powered by a Mac OX or Windows XP. Both made their debuts in 2001 as well. Space tourism slowly became a thing in 2001. Dennis Tito, an RPI graduate, was one of the first. Actually, he was the first. 
Unfortunately, as a side effect of 9-11, the Department of Homeland Security came into being. But on the lighter side, we also had the debut of the iPod and digital music sharing. Legal, at least. Not like Napster or anything like that. As I mentioned earlier, there were many thousands of people who died in the Twin Towers and other places on September 11th, 2001. There were other deaths throughout the year. Dale Earnhardt, I remember this. He died in the last lap of that year's Daytona 500. And all the sadness that happened out of that. Tommy Agee, former baseball player with the New York Mets. He was there in 1969 when they won the World Series. Carol O'Connor, Archie Bunker, and all in the family. Archie, what do you want, Edith? That's my Archie Bunker. Take her to leave it. Many would decide to do the latter. Marty Glickman, one of the first great sportscasters. He passed in 2001. Willie Stargell, pops of the Pittsburgh Pirates 1979 World Series team. Great crooner, Perry Como. Another Baseball Hall of Famer, Eddie Matthews. Imogene Coca. You remember her from your show of shows with Sid Caesar? She was also in National Lampoon's Vacation. Ray Walston. My favorite Martian, but a younger generation remembers him as Mr. Hand in the great 1980s teen comedy classic, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Aloha, Mr. Hand. John Lee Hooker, legendary blues musician. Hank Ketchum, the man that brought us Dennis the Menace. The comic strip, not the TV show. John McKay, legendary football coach, USC and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their first years of existence in the NFL. He had a great quote. During one press conference, when this is when the Bucks really uh, stumbled out of the gates. They had the first winless season in NFL history. John McKay was asked about his team's execution. He said, I'm in favor of it. Al McGuire, legendary coach of college basketball, led Marquette to the 1977 NBA championship. George Harrison, legendary member of the Beatles. He was an underrated member. The Quiet Beetle, they called him. Aaliyah, killed in a plane crash. I think that was the, my first weekend on campus at Castleton during, week, during the uh, orientation weekend. Mary Kay Ash, selling makeup door-to-door. Christian Barnard, the surgeon responsible for the first-ever heart transplant. Hafez al-Assad, well, not necessarily a great, but first president of Syria. Harry Seacum. Now, back to Castleton for a second. When I was wrapping up, I really got into the Goon Show. My Anglophilia really kicked off during that time. I was listening to stuff like the Goon Show. I'm sorry, I'll read that again. Hancock's Half Hour. It carried me into the first part of adult life. Postgraduate, that is. Actress Ann Southern. She passed in 2001. Maurice Noble, the man who designed the background of many of our childhoods with Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies. William Hanna, one half of Hanna-Barbera. Louis Arquette. Now, you may not know who he is. He played Charlie Weaver on Hollywood Squares. He was the father of Rosanna and David Arquette. Glenn Hughes of the Village People. He may have been the cop. I really don't know. Stanley Kramer, great playwright. Dale Evans, wife of Roy Rogers. Isaac Stern, great violinist. Ken Kesey. I got a little something to say about Ken Kesey. One of two authors who passed in 2001. He wrote One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Now, starting summer of freshman year in college and going right to sophomore year, the fall semester thereof, I really got a bit of a 1960s cult- counterculture hang-up. Starting when I was buying, like, the best of the who when I was working at Walmart. I took advantage of that employee discount. 
Then when I started my work-study job, I had enough money to go take advantage of the poster sale at the campus bookstore. And one memorable poster I got was a copy of Jim Morrison's Wanted poster from when he exposed himself at that concert in Miami in 1969. He whipped it out in the Dade County Sheriff's Office. And I remember it as plain as day, he was wanted for, quote, lewd and lascivious behavior. No shit. <laughs> John Mitchum, also a great author, he passed in 2001. Ken Kesey, uh, I, I checked that book out of the college library, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Anthony Quinn, legendary actor. He was in such films as Zorba the Greek and Lawrence of Arabia. Jack Lemon, a year after his longtime partner Walter Matthau passed away, Jack Lemon fallen into the pearly gates. There was many a great vehicle that starred those two, like the front page, the movie, there was The Odd Couple, a number of films that were adapted from the plays of Neil Simon. Joey Ramone of the Ramones passed in 2001. Ditto for Douglas Adams. Now, I, I never told this story. The one time I had a roommate when I was in college... Sorry about the pen there. The one time I had a roommate in college, he took advantage of his employee discount. He worked at a pharmacy or some kind of drugstore, and he got like the complete works of Douglas Adams, including Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I thought I was going to burp there, sorry. <laughs> well, that wasn't a complete list of deaths from 2001. There were two companies that met their end. Also because of 9-11, TWA went away. It was on its last leg, one of the last of the great airlines. The former terminal at LaGuardia Airport, I believe it is, don't quote me on it, has now been converted into a hotel. Enron became the victim of cooking the books, false accounting. That's why I was motivated to take an accounting class fall semester of sophomore year. All right, to the world of pop culture now, the Arizona Diamondbacks won the Major League Baseball World Series in 2001, and a memorable one it was. The Yankees won the American League Panth, a best of the Seattle Mariners, who won a record of 112 games during that season. And it was set to be a memorable series. New York was in it for the fourth year in a row. It was right after 9-11. I remember then-President George W. Bush threw out the first pitch of game number three. But it was game number four and game number five that proved to be memorable. For the first time in the history of Major League Baseball, playing the World Series during the month of November, and for very good reason. Everything pushed back one week after September the 11th, pushing the postseason back and now officially into November as Derek Jeter bats with two out, nobody on. Second, two out, two nothing Arizona here in game five. Brochus hits one in the left. Back at the wall. The Yankees have tied it again. Two and one. Into right field base hit. Here comes Noblock. The throw by Sanders. 
In the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens won Super Bowl 35 over the New York Giants, and it was a blowout, 35-7. In the National Hockey League, the Colorado Avalanche won their second Stanley Cup in five years, and this time they had Ray Bork, a former Boston Bruin, on the roster, and he got to win his first-ever Stanley Cup. On a side note, it was also the second Stanley Cup for Patrick Waugh, former Montreal Canadian. On a side note, it was also the second Stanley Cup win for former Montreal Canadiens goalie Patrick Waugh. In the NBA, the Los Angeles Lakers continued their early 2000s dynasty, beat the Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA Finals. Oklahoma went all boomer sooner to win the NCAA football championship, while Duke did it again in the NCAA Men's Final Four. Best film of 2000 is given at that year's Oscars, 2001, that is Gladiator. Nominated for 12 awards, took home five of the trophies. Are you not entertained? Meanwhile, the Harry Potter effect spilled over from the bookstore to the silver screen. The top grossing film of the year 2001, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, took home over $317 million at the U.S. box office. And we wrap up with the Grammys. The best album of 2000 was Steely Dan. In the decade that the term Yacht Rock was coined, one of the stalwarts of Yacht Rock were awarded best album for their album, Two Against Nature. Well, U2, one of my favorite bands of all time, was also given the best record for Beautiful Day of one of my best albums of all time, All That You Can't Leave Behind. And that will do it for the year 2001. Let's take it back to the COVID-19 ridden present. And we're going to start with a small business salute. And a number of these people on this podcast graduated high school with me in 2001. We're going to lead off with Anne-Marie Guglielmo. And we'll hopefully get Frank Sicari and his brother Rick each to talk about their businesses. Or maybe get them together. We'll see what happens. Here's Anne-Marie Guglielmo to lead things off. All right, folks, welcome to the first part of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, Small Business Salute. A little salute there in case you see me. I'm coming to you on Zoom. It is Tuesday night, the 12th of May, 2020. almost got a little pause there, never mind. I'm about ready to admit my first of what will hopefully be a handful of guests. She is the, I'm going to admit it right now, she is the owner of a bottle store called Buy the Bottle in Saratoga Springs, New York. And we're getting in right now. Here she is. She's connected to the audio. Got somebody in the background. Looks like dinner's being cooked. And here she is, Anne-Marie Guglielmo. Can you hear me? Okay, having a little trouble here. Okay, I got it on. Okay, hold on. Got a black screen here. Um... Oh, hey, Anne-Marie, how are you? Connected to a Bluetooth speaker. Hold on, Jay. Okay, uh, technical difficulties uh, on one end, folks. Technology. Oh. Uh, does this always happen? I'm I'll turn the video on for you if you no, don't mind. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why it's 
not letting me use audio. All right, well, I can just about hear Hold you. Hold on. Um, mute more. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can ah, hear you. I can hear you now. Can you hear me? All right, so you? I'm doing good. That's Anne Marie Guglielmo talking right here after all that dead air and getting the technological difficulties sorted out. How have you been, Anne Marie? Not too bad. Just staying busy, you know. Yeah, well, that's just, good. Yeah, well, that's good. So I just wanted to have you talk to the listeners about Fly the Bottle as uh, the video cuts out again. There you go. So yeah, I know you're busy cooking dinner right now, but just uh, just come here to discuss your business called Buy the Bottle. If you could just give us a little uh, elevator pitch on what the business is about, that would be good. Well, so it's a, it's a wine and liquor store, wine and spirit store in downtown Saratoga. And um, we have a lot of um, products that are smaller production or craft produced. So it's something different that you might normally see in other places, some kind of, you know, different or unexpected things, but also plenty of familiar things. And, and we've always offered delivery, but now with uh, the, the current state of affairs, We've put all of the products online, so we offer, you can order online and and get, get booze delivered right to your doors and pay online and we'll bring it right to you. That's and and that's, kind of, that's how we're rolling right now. Okay, well, there you go. Well, where did you work before you went into business for yourself? You said, you know what, I'm going to go strike out on my own here. Um, so I was, um, and I still do, I, uh, I teach Pilates, so I teach Pilates privately, um, but I had been also working at a, a different um, wine and liquor store just actually, so that's kind of where, where this whole, whole phase of, of my career came from. And then prior to that, I had been, again, teaching Pilates, but worked at a good old Spring Street Deli for quite some time. So keeping it local. <laughs> there you go. But, <laughs> That's a good idea. So yeah. I asked what business you run. That was my second question. I think we covered that already. So what was the motivation you said? You know what? I've worked for other people. It's about time I work for myself. Um, you know, it wasn't so much about working for myself, but um, the, the, the shop that I was working at, um, I had kind of reached my potential there in terms of they, you know, I had, I was able to kind of have um, a lot of freedom to do what I want to do and be part of that, but there was only so much that they could compensate me. For it yeah. um, which is fair so kind of got to that point and that's and at that time um, I had a dog that was older an older Rottweiler and and so it was um, kind of that factored into a, a lot it was either kind of you know I could move to a larger city and you know bring my dog to a, a small apartment where I'd be working crazy hours throughout the day or kind of do my own thing. So I didn't want to open a bar or restaurant. I've, I've worked in them. So that's kind of how I came to 
opening the shop and and now here I am. <laughs> well, is that the same dog? Is that the same dog I've seen whenever I've gone in to buy the bottle when actually going into no. the No, so it's actually a different dog. Unfortunately, the uh the dog I, I mentioned when, but prior to opening the shop, she, she passed away shortly, um, just about two months before I actually opened the store. But oh, so now I've, I, so now I've got a new dog. Who's, oh yeah, who's, I've seen that. Okay, so that's a different dog you have, not the one previous. He's uh, gone over the Rainbow Bridge. Yes, but right. still, um, still both are great matches. Oh yeah, that's right. So once you open by the bottle, or before you open it, what were the initial challenges you faced, if there were any of them? I'm sure. Oh, oh there were plenty. Um, getting uh, a liquor license in New York State is, is not easy. So um, and it's, as you might imagine, it's kind of uh, a little bit backwards in many ways, you know, um, so. That was probably the biggest challenge um, was getting that liquor license. And it took me um, about six months, which is not, not, not a long time, but not a short time. So, you know, but in order to apply for the liquor license, you already have to have, um, a lease signed so it's kind of like you got to do things a little backwards to move forwards and then and then you're just kind of at the mercy of of the state so i'd say that was kind of the biggest the biggest hurdle to overcome but i did it <laughs> well, i'm glad you did and speaking of by the bottle that's a nice little advertising uh, the li people listening in the podcast can see it but you have a wine glass with the by the bottle logo right in front of you as you're preparing oh. the house I sure do. Yeah, and I, so I'm, I'm making some 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 pasta sauce and, and making a gravy. Although, huh? although I'm having wine with the sauce, it does actually it's also used for cooking. So, but yes, we've got the the official glass of the store. There you go. Welcome to the kitchen corner, ladies and gentlemen. And <laughs> all right. So finally, to wrap up, I won't keep you from dinner. What challenges do you as a business owner think that you're going to face after Governor Cuomo decides, you know, to uh, give the all clear for everybody to just uh, get back out with social distancing? It's not a big place. I know because I've been in there. I know from personal experience. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a small space, but um, kind of from the get-go, even before all of this, I, I wanted to keep it as, you know, more of an an open space so while it's not big I still want people to be able to feel comfortable and move around without feeling like they're sardines packed in a can so um, the biggest thing that's always kind of been there um, that I think will continue to be there is just people kind of finding us and, and knowing where we are and coming in um, I've gotten some new customers you know, from doing the online orders, but they've never actually been to the store. So I think it'll be interesting to see once kind of things start progressing and opening back up, um, if that, you know, that customer base will, will stay or if it will kind of go away. So I guess that would be the biggest challenge is that uncertainty of knowing if it's, you know, a convenience thing or if, you know, they'll continue on. 
with me. So we or, shall see. Or as a friend, if somebody hasn't real, who's only been in the store to browse or say hello and just have a little chat with you, whether I'm going to be back in the building too. Well, right. And I mean, you know, there's generally, even when it's busy in the store, there's, it's, it's not, it's not like a, a, a bigger store where, you know, again, there's, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 people, you know, so there's still plenty of room to, to move around and, and comfortably space yourself from other, other people. So hopefully that'll be, that'll be good enough and we'll, we'll keep, keep going on. That's good news to hear. Well, Anne-Marie, thanks for coming on. However brief the chat was, thanks for appearing on the Keep It To Yourself podcast, Small Business Salute. And yep, all this I look forward to seeing you again up in the spa city. All right. Well, take it easy. Be safe. All right. You too. Take care. to start recording all right folks let me admit our uh, first of two guests here on the second part of this small business salute i'm gonna get out full screen all right we got one in hey frank you there hold on wait he's connected stop talking yet well, not yet frank hold on let me unmute you or do something okay this has gotten all right, mute everybody. Okay, video. All right, Frank, just try. Unmute yourself there, Frank. I don't know if you can hear me. There we go. Sorry about that. Let's ease How you doing, Frank? Welcome to the second part of our small business salute on episode 101 of the Keep It to Yourself podcast. How have you been, sir? Uh, uh, you know, I'm alive, so I guess that's good. Well, every day above ground's a good day, as the old saying goes. <laughs> All right, folks, I'm going to ask these same questions to your brother, Rick, who's going to join us momentarily, or at least I'll, he's in the waiting room. He'll be joining us shortly. So your wife, I don't know if Heidi wants to jump in on this. That's your wife. Uh, Rick, your brother just texted me. He said he'll be on in just a bit here. So we'll start with you first. Sure. That is. Where did you work before you... Right, go ahead. All right, sorry, folks, talking over one. All right, so the question I wanted to have ask for the audience is, before you went into business for yourself, or at least your wife uh, dragged you into it, where did you work beforehand? Uh, I worked for a company called Saratoga Eagle. Uh, oh, yeah, shout out to Garrett Murphy. He works there currently. You probably yeah. ran to him a few times. Oh, yeah. I think he actually just stopped working there. But, oh, uh, he left. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, but he did work there for a long time too. Um, 
really great company. They, uh, they're a beer and beverage distributor. Um, so they sell, or at least when I was there, they sold to like 12 counties, I think. Now it's, I think, even more than that. Mm. Um, every bar, beverage center, grocery store, gas station, you name it. Um, they're dropping beer off to those both places every day. You haven't uh, you haven't done it swung any deals with them when you opened up Franklin Alley Social Club and we'll get to that very shortly, did you? No, I mean I you know it was nice being able to know people and and uh, you know knowing the ins and outs and everything. I was uh, my position there I was the craft beer manager, um, so I dealt with uh, we had twenty or so craft breweries at the time that I left. Um, the biggest one being like Founders um, out of Michigan. And then a bunch of local breweries and stuff like that. So I dealt with all those guys and, and making sure that their inventory was moving and everything. So when we opened Franklin Alley, it was nice to uh, kind of have that background and, and know pricing and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So, well, I don't know if we're going to get your wife in there because she's the one who found a talk house, if I'm not mistaken. That's upstairs from Franklin Alley. Uh, it's definitely her, her baby, her idea. Um, but yeah, unfortunately she's downstairs now making us dinner. We just got home, but, uh, um, I can, I can pretty much answer for her. I know. Right, okay. So um, she, well, Heidi does send her regard. That's the woman to whom you're related by marriage. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what was the motivation to say, all right, you know what? I'm going into business for myself. I've had enough for working for somebody else. Um, it was, I mean, so Heidi was a wedding photographer. Yeah. For many, many years. On Instagram. Yeah. And, um, and, and she's, she's uh, kind of retired from that world now, but um, for, I don't know how many years, dozen years, she was uh, photographing weddings all over the Northeast. And when she and I started dating, uh, oh, so many years ago, nine plus years ago, um, she asked me if I wanted to come along and, and kind of keep her company on the road trips because none of her weddings were local or very few of them. Um, so then I started coming with her and like, she taught me a lot about photography, about weddings. And, um, we saw weddings literally, I mean, Adirondacks, Cape Cod, Brooklyn, Catskill, mm. uh, everywhere in between. And just started talking about all the, um, kind of pros and cons of every venue and noticed there weren't many venues in the capital district that had anything that, like that. And a lot of our friends, we were, <clears throat> Let's see, um, 36 now, so this is nine years ago, uh, whatever math that ends up being. We were in our you know, mid to late 20s, and all of our friends were kind of getting married and asking for good venues locally to, to get married at, and we couldn't really <laughs> give them any great local venues. Not that there aren't good local venues, but just nothing that kind of fit what they were looking for, and we were just like, man, we should just open up our own venue. So we started looking around um just for big old buildings and uh found 55 third street mm -hmm. and um like wow this this building is amazing it was 150 years old and just had so much character i had you know quite a life of of different uh people in there and um we're just like there there was a bunch of people looking to buy the building and knock it down and turn it into you know apartments or whatever mm. and uh we talked to the the former owners and told them our plan and that we wanted to keep the building alive and keep the history and everything. And, um, they were all about it and it was really, we were really lucked out. And, uh, yeah, that was over six years ago that we bought the building. 
um, and then did like a year's worth of renovations then started doing weddings there. And uh, yeah, I'm talking more than uh, your question asked, but. All right, well, I'll answer the question very well. I mean, I came into the picture about the Victorian Street Walk 2015. I remember that day I walked up the stairs, you were there to greet me and you gave me a little tour of the, what would be the first part of the building? And I like you and Heidi were living there at the time in the early years. Yeah, absolutely. We were living upstairs on the top floor and uh, there were, I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't really afford the building altogether, but we made it work. And um, to afford the building and afford a place to live was just not an option. So we kind of squatted in our own business. Um, there were a bunch of offices up on the top floor that we kind of converted into a, an apartment, but we couldn't get plumbing up there. We tried, it just was not working. So um, had to use the plumbing and the shower and the kitchen and everything on the first floor. And we were living up on the third floor. The shower is technically actually in the basement. So four floors down. Wow. We, yeah, we lived there for, for three years, uh, basically cooking everything on the first floor and bringing it up to our place. And then, um, you know, showering down four floors down in the basement and then walking up. It was a, kind of like a weird college dorm thing. Oh yeah. It was, that, I've been there before. I'm like, I sophomore dorm in college. I had to go down two flights of stairs just to get my clothes done. Oh yeah. Laundry and that. Yeah. Well, your brother's joining us right now. I hate to interrupt. It's been a great conversation, but I'm going to let your brother Rick in here. Yeah. And all right, we'll just let Rick in here. Oh, there he is. I see him. He's connected oh, to audio. And I uh, go ahead. And, I'll go ahead and unmute you. And hey, Rick, how you doing, bud? Hey, hey. We got the Flying Sakari brothers here, ladies and gentlemen. Love it. Rick, can you hear us? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear a lot better now. It was a little quiet for, at first. Well, uh, it's more concerns me than you, but thanks anyway. I know you're his brother and aunt. So, Rick, I was just asking Frank the first two questions here. Uh, we know you're the head of the Albany Distilling Company, or ATCO for short. Where did you work before you decided to get into the booze business and probably help your brother out with the refreshments down at Franklin Alley? Ooh, it's been a long, uh, long road in the booze business for me, actually. Um, prior to Albany Distilling, I worked at the Old Saratoga Brewery. Um, unfortunately, is is no longer. R.I.P. Worked at two different liquor stores. I worked one uh, DeAndres downtown Saratoga, as mm -hmm. well one in Oneana. Both Frank's right, where uh, your brother went to college. Yep, we were both Red Dragons. Oh uh, yeah. And speaking of Red Dragons, R.I.P. Ryan Rossley on that whole deal. But yeah. but um, anyway, so what? Well, just for the listeners, what type of business do you run? And I forgot. I skipped the question number two here. So. Either you want to go first, just go ahead. Just jump in when the mood strikes. Go ahead, Rick. All right, Rick goes first. Uh, the distillery. So uh, our business model is we uh, distill spirits. So we take grain from New York State Farms. We mill it, mash it, ferment it, distill it. Um, for the whiskeys, we stick it in barrels for four long years. Uh, we're also a bottling plant, so we, we make vodka. Um, we make coffee vodka, we distill nine pin cider and make brandy. So it's really all just the act of creating alcohol and, and making it, 
and distilling it down and sticking it in bottles. Well, there you go. Just making whiskey and not like the illegal stuff you make with the bathtub. Like, you know, like, we go running down shaft now. It's cool. <laughs> None of that stuff. This is all in the legal. <laughs> yeah, we, we keep everything above board. All right. Well, Frank, I'm going to go to you next. Uh, just for, I know about this. So I'm going to play dumb for this one. What type of business do you, is Talk House and what type of business is Franklin Alley Social Club? Um, well, we're a distilling company. We started distilling uh, New York grain a long time ago. No. Um, actually, so Talk House is, <laughs> uh, is a wedding and event space, mm-hmm. primarily weddings for sure. We you know, do uh, between 20 and 30 weddings a year normally, um, and then some other smaller events as well. And then Franklin Alley, it's in the same building. Um, so it's a 17,000 square foot building. Uh, and on the bottom floor in the basement is Franklin Alley. So it's kind of a speakeasy um, with a tropical kind of cruise ship kind of vibe. Um, we have shuffleboard, bocce ball, an arcade, full bar, uh, and, a, and a kitchen that has a pretty good menu. Um, so it's kind of a whole, between two, both businesses, it's got a lot going on. I'm sure I've been privy to most of it, that's for sure. Right. All right, Rick, I'm going to ask question number three to you because I asked Frank, your brother, this question before you jumped on. What was the motivation to go into business for yourself and start a distillery? You know, it's funny. I've been with Adco now for what's coming up on seven years. Um, but I mean, I, I was a home brewer in college. Uh, again, we talked about Oniana and uh, one of my neighbors made a beer and I thought it was a fun idea. At that time, I, I had already been working at the liquor stores and I liked that kind of um, business idea. And, and the entrepreneurship side of things, you know, I've, I've always uh, been a little bit of a hustler, work hard, make money. You know, I, I, I like that idea that you know, what you put into it is what you get out of it. Um, so I've, I've had that kind of entrepreneurial spirit as long as I can remember. Oh, that's good for you, man. It's led to some great products, some of which I've tried either at Franklin Alley or in other places too. I've only been in the uh, bar and bottle shop in Albany, but once, and I think that was the night it opened from what I recall. It was a Sakari doubleheader from what I recall. <laughs> I visited you first and then I went to Franklin Alley for trivia night. Yeah, I was like, long night. Hang on, I was going like, all right, so second to last question here. What were the initial challenges that each of you faced in starting the, your own business, going out on your own? Again, each, either one of you can jump in when the mood strikes. Uh, I'll go first, I guess. Um, I, mean, we, I mean, we're in the same boat. I mean, we, we grew up in Saratoga, not, a, you know, just a working class family. Didn't have a ton of money to get started. I mean, all businesses take money to um, get everything in motion. So trying to get loans, whether it be SBA loans or investors and all that stuff, it's just, it's a lot. Um, You don't have that kind of backing, which is just, we were able to eventually get some of that, but I mean, not a ton. And so, and then when you do, then you're, you know, trying to pay back loans as you go. So it's, um, I mean, that was the biggest challenge for us. I mean, I, and I don't want to speak for Rick, but I mean, I think it was, you know, it's just tough getting a business started without investment capital or any kind of capital. Um, I don't know. 
Okay, yeah. Rick, you want to jump in on that one? I agree. Um, you know, really getting people to believe in you and believe in your dream um, means you got to kind of put it all out there. When I came into Albany Distilling, I brought five different investors with me, and they were kind of people that I had met or, you know, worked with in the past. Um, like I said, they're, they're kind of taking a bet on you with their hard-earned dollars that you're going to do something with it. And, you know, for the first couple of years, not taking a paycheck, you kind of just trade, <laughs> trade in booze to, to make ends meet. Um, and even now, you know, years and years in, I still pay my employees a whole hell of a lot more than I pay myself. And it's still, it's, it's just investing it back into the business and kind of believing ourselves that this is going to, you know, really be something at some point in time. Which is what your brother has done. And I've certainly seen, uh, I've certainly been witness to that with Franklin Alley. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's been, I mean, I don't know if you're looking for me to chime in there, but it's, um, Go ahead. You know, getting people to believe is definitely a big thing. We started asking for money, investment money, to uh, do both projects, Talk House and Franklin Alley. People looked at us like we had five heads. Um, we had a few um, bankers tell us that we were insane, that we would never last, you know, a year. few bankers. I think I've talked to every single bank in the Capital District, uh, let alone other states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a lot of just being like all right screw you guys I'm, I'm we're doing this and just making it happen and taking every sacrifice like i said living living in the building for three years and 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 showering in the basement uh four floors down whatever it takes we i mean heidi can tell you more better than i can i mean we were making dinner in our in our winter coats like freezing in the kitchen because you can't turn the heat on in the kitchen without turning the heat on in the entire building. Just like I said, it's, you know, it's just a large building. So it's just like, all right, we'll save the heat, make our dinner in, a, in our winter coats, bring it up to our apartment, which had little space heaters and everything. Um, it's just doing everything, everything you can to, to get it off the ground. And then once it's off the ground, you know, getting everyone to actually buy in and, and, get it going and grow it and it's exhausting <laughs> well i'm sure it is but it's paid off in the end that's for sure we're getting there all right all right final question uh, it's well no i've already been privy to what atco has been doing to help out in the fight against coronavirus and frank you've had your struggles and well those have been documented what challenges do each of you face after the reop after reopening with uh, governor cuomo and everything we said all right safe to be out in the public again, just take public precautions in there. Go ahead, Rick. Whew. It's a lot. Um, it's actually what I've been spending the last couple days doing. You know, when the coronavirus really took hold and, and they started shutting businesses down, like you said, we kind of had to pivot and, and make hand sanitizer. Um, we had to make the hard decision to shut down our bar but we wanted to retain as many employees as we could so just kind of that adapting to kind of put people in different places um but to answer your question about what we're going to do now to, to reopen you know my biggest struggle i think is my employee safety more than anything 
um, not a big place. I think in, yeah, I think in general you have, you know, a wide spectrum of how people perceive this. There's a wide spectrum of how cautious some people are and some people don't really think that it's a big deal. You know, so for, for my staff, I want to make sure that they feel comfortable coming back to work, make sure they feel comfortable serving guests. Um, you know, just those safety precautions is, is not something that we're taking lightly. Um, so even if they start letting us open at a 25 or 50% capacity, I don't know if you'll see Albany Distilling just open our doors right back up again. Um, we have obviously a couple of avenues that we're doing right now with the cocktails to go and just our spirits and the liquor stores. So I'd rather see us open the, the smart way um, than just kind of rush back into it. So it's going to be a long road from here, but I think uh, ultimately if we do it right, we'll be in good shape in the long term. All right. That sounds good. Better to, you know, fools rush in where angels feel the fail to tread or fear to tread whatever that saying goes all right frank uh, i'll let you wrap it up here what challenges did talk house and franklin alley each have once the reopening uh, gets going um yeah it's going to be really interesting i mean when this all happened whenever when, when the shutdown re shutdown really came about it was survival mode um how the hell are we going to make this work trying to figure out new protocols every day because every day there was a new restriction being laid out and uh, we, we just bought all this stuff and now we can't use it. Um, uh, it just kind of crazy. So now that they're going to open back up slowly and smartly and, and, uh, and I'm all for that. Um, it's just trying to plan ahead and be ready for it. We, um, you know, we've been talking a lot with the city of Troy um about you know how we're going to do that and what's going to be you know how we're going to logistically do it all taking everyone's temperatures which i think is going to be required and to be probably mainly reservation only at first um you know, we want to follow every single protocol that's out there um and do it smartly do it do it efficiently and still try to keep everybody safe keep everybody I mean, for us, safety is definitely important for sure. Um, for us, the big thing was making sure all of our employees are able to pay their bills. Mm -hmm. um, so we've been able to, you know, luckily a lot of our employees have other jobs. Um, so they were able to either collect money from them or go on partial unemployment or whatever. But, um, you know, we wanted to make sure that everyone that needed money got money um, and could pay for, I mean, rent, electricity, all the, you know, the very basic needs. And we want to continue to do that. I mean, as we reopen slowly, um, you know, make sure everyone is safe and, and able to collect a paycheck and that we're kind of doing everything right and following all the guidelines and all that. So it's just going to be a very a lot of fun. <laughs> it's going to, Heidi said to me today, she said, because I think reopening is going to be more stressful than than the actual quarantine. Everything started shutting down, and I was like, "Yeah, I think it. I think it really is. It's going to be. It's going to be really hard. But I mean, whatever. We've you know come this far. We've done everything 
uh, up to this point. So let's just keep going. I'll I'll take people's temperatures. <laughs> I don't know what it will. Uh... Yeah, especially when I come roll. Especially when I come in rolling down the alley. That's one of the first nights to reopen. It's like, uh, put your oh, come on, Jayla, put this report up against this thermometer. Let's see if you can go in. Exactly. I'm gonna. Zap I don't think. I, I think you can actually just put your the back of your hand right to someone's head, and you're like, eh, no, it's good. Come on in. <laughs> don't touch it. Come on. <laughs> We're trying to stop problems, not make them worse. By the way, before I go, Rick, how does it feel to be the clean-shaven of the three of us speaking on this Zoom right now? Man, it's absolutely horrible. Believe me, clean-shaven is not a choice. If there's one thing that the Sakari brothers have, you know, just the struggle we have to deal with in life. Ugh is not being able to really grow a beard. Look at how disgusting his face is. This is not good. Mine is, mine, is, mine is worse. So I don't even go down that path. I just... You haven't got a hair, you got a hair in your chinny chin chin. Are you kidding? <laughs> it's a shadow, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you got something going on down there. <laughs> All right, well... I hate to break up. I want to end on a positive note here. So I want to thank uh, Frank and Richard Sakari for being on the Keep It To Yourself podcast, Small Business Salute. And I wish you guys all the best going forward, the both of Thanks so much, Jay. Everything you're doing, keep going. You're doing great. Namaste. Yeah, I, appreciate, I appreciate it, Jay. We're going to keep on trying our hardest for you. All right. Thanks, guys. God bless. Take care. Have a good night. Take care, Jay. Care, Rick. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. My thanks again to Anne-Marie Guglielmo and also the brothers Sakari, Frank and Rick, who hopped in on here on this episode of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, episode 101 in the series. Before I wrap this up, I forgot to mention my social media. I forgot to do that in the last episode. Boy, this epidemic, pandemic, lockdown, whatever you want to call it, has really taken a number on me or done a number or other unnecessary metaphors. I'm rambling here, but let's get to the social media at the back end instead of the front end, as I've been wanting to do. You can follow this podcast at keep underscore podcast on the Twitter. The world loneliest email, kitypod at gmail.com. There's also the Keep It To Yourself Facebook page. And also, it serves as the Facebook page for my new podcast about true crime here in the 518. CR Crime, capital C, capital R, small I, small M, small E, you get it. It's all about true crime that took place here in New York's capital region, Albany, Rensselaer, Saratoga, Schenectady, counties, Warren, Washington, and further afield if we have to go that far. Both of these are on your feed. You don't have to subscribe to that other podcast. They're both on the same feed. Thank you, Anchor FM, and maybe screw you too. But it really clears out the confusion, so thanks are in order. And you can listen to both these fine podcasts for free, especially during this pandemic. Won't cost you a dime. You can listen on Apple Podcasts. You can listen on Spotify. You can listen on Google Podcasts or the podcast if you're choosing. And speaking of Apple Podcasts, if you happen to do so, give one, the other, or both podcasts a five-star ring and a good rap. It really helps me out. And speaking of podcasts, I want to shout out other people's podcasts on the way out. The Break It Down Show, Pete A. Turner, John Leon Guerrero, interviewing Kurt Schlichter about how the military gets to deal with COVID-19. And a really great interview with Taylor Dane, an underrated late 80s, early 90s songstress. That was a fascinating interview. Greens from Allentown continued. Peter Winston took a look at the time when WWF superstars and WCW superstars 
fought each other, not in the squared circle, but rather on the hit game show Family Feud. And Steve Bennett came back with another episode of the Sportscasters. Jane Levy talking about the time Mickey Mantle did her dirty. And Yaron Weitzman about his new book on the Philadelphia 76ers. So check those podcasts out. And that'll do it for this episode of the Keep It To Yourself podcast. Thanks as ever for listening. I never take the audience for granted. Never have, never will. I may have taken some things for granted during this pandemic. But you guys are not one of them. I appreciate that. We hope you stay safe. We hope you stay healthy. You know, keep washing your hands. Stay socially separate, but socially connected. And all that kind of thing. And as always, and above all else, now more than ever, wait for it. Wait for it. Keep smiling. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Sit, boo-boo, sit. Good dog. <laughs>